Welcome to the Lifelinks Podcast, where we share stories of pushing past the stigma of diversity to embrace love of self and cultural identity, because we're not blending in. I'm your host, Consuelo Crosby, and also the creator of this content. If you want to chat more about what we talk about here on the show, please reach out to me on whatever platform you enjoy on social media. We're available at Lifelinks or on our website at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X. I'd love to engage with you more on these topics and hear more of what you have to say about them. Hola, chicas. And wow, here we are in May. May the 4th be with you. With all its celebrations and excitement going on, everything from holidays to graduations to mindfulness and get down to business. May begins mental health awareness, which seems to be a perfect time to check in almost halfway through the year. Take some time to reframe your workload, assess how you're feeling, and plan how to address this all during the month with so many resources available for us. Maybe it's a good lead up to summer vacation or maybe realizing you totally need help because the kids are almost out of school. This week is also National Small Business Week, celebrating that tenacity of entrepreneurs and founders. If anyone is running their own small business out there, then it's probably obvious that the first week of May, National Small Business Week, coincides with Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. All the things. They're looking out for us. Congratulations to all the badass chicas out there across the globe, passionately doing what you love and how you want to live. As I mentioned in last week's episode, we are focusing on mothers this month, from our queens, our reinas, to Mother Earth. Today's episode highlights how our cultural identity, impacts the environment, Mother Earth, and celebrates the women who have always been resourceful with what they have, reusing things in a multitude of different ways and ultimately not contributing to the landfill. People outside a culture view this resourcefulness as a sign of low income or hoarding or ignorance not staying on top of the trend, not knowing any better. But we know better. We learned it from our grandmothers and mothers, and we'll pass it on to our grandchildren and nieces and nephews. You know who I'm talking about. The women who never take anything for granted and have been saving Mother Earth for millennia. Now, it made us laugh as kids maybe be a tad embarrassed. But as we get older, we realize they are brilliant. It still makes us laugh, though, how nothing gets thrown out. Not even plastic bags. Plastic bags are used to store other plastic bags. Everything from cookie tins to broken dishes to used wrapping paper are all saved and used again for something really clever. I used to think everyone did this because the resourcefulness was so clever. 
honestly, it's only till recently that I realized each culture has their own version of being resourceful. The Latina culture is really specific on how items get reused, so it becomes part of identity in this broad sense. Identity also revolves around fashion, though, from the roots of cultural identity to current-day self-expression. And some items are so iconic, like gold hoops and sassy heels, that it doesn't matter what else we're wearing. Those are always going to be part of the look. It's part of the culture. It's like when you're cooking and you start chopping cilantro and onions and garlic, and then you ask, what do you want to eat? Doesn't matter. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner, start chopping cilantro, garlic, onion. Could be pancakes. (laughs) Still, the pressure to be on brand or create that self-look that's trending can make it really difficult to be resourceful. Add the pressure of career and family and all that valuable time we had to be more careful about what we purchase and what we wore. Mm, it all but disappears. But why is this so important when we have so much available at our fingertips? We can have things delivered to our door in a matter of days for cheap. And that's where the problem lies, ladies. Fast fashion. Around the world, the biggest contributors to our trash landfills are the fashion and cosmetic industries. For as much as we love our look, and we do love our sassy look, there's a reason we were taught to resource our clothing or make it ourselves from really quality material. But how can we create our look without contributing to the problem? How much of an impact can we make by just some small changes? And of course, arenas, our queens, what have we learned from them that still apply today in resourcing our clothing? And while you're pondering that a minute, I'm going to give you the last little hints for this week's steamy cafecito moment. Did you pick up on that hashtag last week, steamy cafecito? It was slammed up against steamy romance novels. Now, for those of you new to the podcast, so much gratitude for you joining in and being here with us. So here's a little heads up about our cafecito moments. We take the time each week to visit a diverse-owned coffee business to support their entrepreneurial spirit and their financial gain all through our favorite act of drinking coffee. Doesn't matter what time of day for me. Doesn't affect me. Doesn't get me wired. Love my cafecito and so grateful. There are so many women-owned, diverse-owned businesses out there. So this week's business is new. It's Un Bebe, just opened last year, a BIPOC business in Oakland, California, and their specialty is roasting their own coffees. They sell it in two locations, one's their own, one's in a store, but they also have online stores. So everyone has access to support the founders, Jenna Garrett and Justice Chambers, who I got a chance to meet. Oh, they're the best. 
and they have a powerful mission statement for their business that will have you grabbing a cup of coffee, hopefully theirs, and standing up in solidarity. I'll tell you more about that amazing coffee experience towards the end of the podcast, so stay tuned. So let's get into today's topic of how our cultural identity impacts the environment. And we don't have to go too far back to know someone who actually wove their own textiles, starting from making the yarn or threads from the local source. Native people use different colors and textiles and styles to identify themselves within tribes. And then even families within the tribes had a definable design all their own. Each elder generation taught the next generation both the process and that valuable design that really brought pride to the family. It was an honor to learn the knowledge of the elders. And travelers, even a generation ago, were blessed with seeing locals in their handmade customary clothing throughout the world. There was strong cultural identity associated with it. So as you traveled from region to region, you could see the subtle changes in the design or the colors that would just give that unique look, both the family and the different region. And in the countries of our parents, clothes were handmade at home or from the local tailor. Same with the shoes, regardless of financial status. Our recent generations of family had access to gorgeous clothing, resourcefully crafted and treasured for its quality. But as the global economy skyrocketed, then textiles and fashion became cheaper and mass-produced to the point of being disposable. Now we're in a state of fast fashion where as soon as a trend is born, it's outdated and useless. It's so tempting, I get it. Fast fashion is constantly at our fingertips. We all love scrolling through online stores, and those Instagram ads, they come at you. And they're so cute, right? But do we ever consider where those sassy fashions are made? Or do we stop to consider if we really need that cuteness? It's really hard, especially when our activities and events are all posted up and down social media. There's the brunches, the parties, casual meetups, and dare you show up in the same outfit more than once? And if the answer is no way, then that's cool. But does it have to be new? Fast fashion is really a recent phenomena that came from the marriage of global demand and technology. When technology developed e-commerce, so companies no longer had to have communication directly with the customers, didn't have to worry about money exchange or time zone differential, then this marriage created an offspring that caused immense destruction of our planet. This is the problem. Fast fashion comes from the demand of buyers wanting basically disposable clothing. It's inexpensive, we feel flush when we can buy it, and there's no pain in getting rid of it after we've done that one special scene. 
unlike our ancestors, our generations of family, companies have no interest in pride of product or cultural identity. They're just producing or even overproducing because that cheap process is driving up their profits. So there's no one paying attention to what's happening. And what's happening, you ask? We are dumping, literally dumping this fast fashion into the natural environment. The products are so toxic that they aren't allowed in the landfills. So they're dumped in public lands where no one is watching. Wicked, right? We want to believe that everyone is doing right by each other and by the environment. I know, it doesn't feel like it's our responsibility to understand what the materials are made of or if it's toxic. How could anybody allow that, right? But it is our responsibility. It really is up to us to understand our impact on the environment, especially when we are so focused on our cultural identity. Now, fast fashion is really bad for the environment, not just for the toxic chemicals that make up this really cheap fabric, but also because that delivery worldwide and all the planes that have to fly all over the place, and then you hit Amazon delivery trucks and, oof, pollution is exploding. And then it doesn't even end there because now in our hands, our Uber-buying hands of fast fashion, we fashionistas are dumping 85% of our clothing into landfill. 85%. Just to keep up with trends. So where does all this mass clothing dumping occur? To foreign countries. Foreign countries that used to create those beautiful textiles the hand-woven, handmade textiles from locally sourced materials, whether it's the silks of Asia or the cottons of Peru or the alpaca wools throughout South America, they are now being used to receive the fashion industry garbage. Ugh. And this actually hits a really personal note for me. It just devastates me. Because one of these mass clothing dumps has found its way into Chile. Not just the country, but the pristine, one-of-a-kind Atacama Desert, which also extends into southern Peru. Yup, Peru. Now you see the connection. Now you may be thinking, the desert is the perfect place for us to put our trash. I know, it's a reach, but you might be thinking it. There aren't any people out there, and it rarely rains. There's probably not very many animals. And that's on point. The Atacama Desert actually sees only a half inch of rain a year. Half inch. It is the driest place on Earth, with barely any species that can survive it. And this is crazy, because this is where my father, Joe, the boy from Wyoming, was sent 
as a geophysicist in the mining as his first job out of college. Can you imagine? He leaves the University of Utah, gets on a plane, or a few planes, because this is 1954, and lands in Arequipa, Peru. He didn't speak a word of Castellano, but he'd been in the Korean War, so he at least had been in foreign lands with foreign language and could, you know, figure things out. And within days, he meets my mother, who was in charge of the accounting department at the British Embassy, spoke the Queen's English, but had never seen turquoise-colored eyes like his before. Ah, it was love at first sight. They fell in love head over heels. But my dad was sent out with the mining team to live in a cave with the chinchillas in the Atacama Desert. They were so far out of town, the only time they had transportation was when their supplies were being renewed every few weeks. Well, that was way too long for my father to wait. He wanted to be with his consuelo. So what did he do? He figured out the moon cycle of when the moon would be up the longest and the fullest over the desert at night. And then he used the distant city lights of Arequipa as a beacon. And he began to walk. 16 miles alone across the driest desert in the world at night with all those night creatures crawling with only a tin canteen of water and his conviction to see my mother. Are you giving your partner a sideways glance right now? (laughs) The standard's pretty high here. I have never met another person like him. But what if my dad were trying to get to my mom today? What if he was crossing the desert at night only to come upon a huge mountain of clothing? What if he got turned around and could no longer see the city lights beckoning him in the distance? What would have happened? Fast fashion is the demise of our love story with Mother Earth. A love story nurtured and cared for by our ancestors. And now it's up to us, ladies, to rekindle that love. We know how. It's in our DNA. It's in our families and cultures. And in our desire to live our true identity out loud. We don't need no fast fashion. Think of all the beautiful textiles that come from your culture. Feel the pride and appreciation from the expertise and immense talent that has been pulsing through generations and generations of families. Fortunately, as awareness of the toxic fast fashion rises, so does the passion for returning back to basics. Entrepreneurs are bringing back the ideal of handmade clothing and native materials and fashion to encourage cultural identity. It is the perfect chance to avoid blending in and striking that unique look again. Besides entrepreneurs, the small business owners are a blessing because they see the answer to a growing problem and they're all over it. They're readily addressing it. 
And according to the recent Bureau of Labor report last year, 89% of new women-owned businesses are by women of color. 89%. Oh, you badass chicas. So let's roll through some ideas for reversing fast fashion and going back to the sustainable quality of our generational families. Let's try the easier route first before you take on weaving your own fabrics <laughs> or showing up in your own handmade clothing. First off, try encouraging your mom to let go of some of her iconic pieces. Our mamas are a source of sass, and if they've kept their pieces from 20 or 30 years ago, woo, that is a treasure trove to dig through. Of course, this may also be the most difficult place to start because your mother may not be ready to let go of her own treasure. I kept begging my mom as I got older, like in my teens when I could finally fit in her clothes, to let me have them. But she said no. I figured, okay, when I get older. Then I asked again when I was in my 20s and my 30s. It never happened. Nope. Instead, she gave them to my daughter. I don't overanalyze that much. And yet, it sticks with me to this day. <laughs> Never got mom's clothes. Secondly, you could always go for secondhand stores, both locally in the area and online. Brick and mortar stores might be a little tricky to find the look and the fit that you like. And online options tend to have more selection and affordability. So ones like ThreadUp, Poshmark, and TradeZ. I have never tried TradeZ. If anyone has, let me know. Now, if resource clothing isn't your thing, I get it. Don't want to wear someone else's clothes. So let's focus on the new. If you're blessed to have your mother or grandmother still, Ask if they know how to make their own clothes or accessories. Whether it's sewing or knitting or crocheting, ask them if they would want to make you something. Something you could always treasure and pass down to generations coming. That is a cherished memory. Better yet, ask them to teach you. Even if you're not ready to put on that handmade outfit yourself, you can teach it to the next generations and so on, and so on. It's never too soon to start reversing that cycle of fast fashion. And the best way? Support the stores that are women-owned, especially owned by women of color, because they are part of the healing solution of this fast fashion. Look for stores that offer sustainable fabrics, locally sourced materials, or handmade fashion. And when you seek out these businesses, not only are you creating your own unique identity and saving the planet from these garbage heaps of fast fashion, but you're contributing to that business owner's family financial well-being. Ah, woof! I love ending on a high note. Now for our cafecito moments. I hope you're following the hints on our Instagram stories. If you missed them, remember to find them in our highlights on our profile. We made a reel of last week's steamy cafecito at the wooden table, so you can check that one out on our profile at Lifelinks. 
Now, I've been trying to get to this week's cafecito business for a while, but our schedules weren't driving. So I finally made it and was so blessed on this sunny, beautiful, warm day to meet Jenna, Jenna Garrett, one of the owners who was readily available because it was almost the end of the day for her to share her story of taking a chance on herself. So Jenna Garrett and Justice Chambers founded Soul Blends Coffee Roasters just last year, a BIPOC specialty coffee service in Oakland, California. And this week is literally their one-year anniversary. So huge congratulations on persevering through all those struggles and having faith in yourself and the community supporting you. Their mission statement is a powerful testament to human connection, something I emphasize on this podcast a lot. It focuses on turning this daily ritual of our cafecito into a means of broadening the cultural experience, that global coffee experience, and also giving back to their surrounding community. And Jenna's innate compassion just spills into every cup she's steaming, which really put me in a state of calm. Something I did not expect from my second latte of the day, but that Moroccan spice latte, oh, sent me to another place where I just wanted to linger, count my blessings, and sit in gratitude. So Soul Blends Coffee is sourced from Africa, and they have multiple varieties available. So you can buy it online in 12-ounce and 2-pound bags, whole bean or ground, all the things. You can purchase it at their website at mysoulblends.com. And if you want to read more about this, it's available on this episode's transcript on our website at thelinks.com. So please support this business as they continue to grow in their success and develop relationship throughout their community. A really big blessing. Check out the Cafecito highlights on our LifeLinks Instagram for more visuals of this really inviting cafe. Remember to tag LifeLinks in your favorite Cafecito moments or in your newly resourced outfits looking all the bomb. I can't wait to see how clever you are, how beautifully you identify yourself and those smiles knowing you are caring for Mother Earth, just like your mothers and your grandmothers and all the families that brought us here to this moment. Take a look on our website at thelinks.com for each episode's transcripts and the articles linked to what you've heard here today. Share the love of this podcast with your friends, ladies, and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate you. Really love these moments. Step into your truth, ladies. We love you. Ciao. Really appreciate the time you take to rate and review the podcast. Get the backstory and what you've heard here today and reach out to us at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X-X. Because it's about time, it's about us. Stay in the groove on our social media at LifeLinks and get ready to make your move, ladies. Viva! Viva!